Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on June 28th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat, as we continue our discussion over the web lore entries legacy. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration. Congratulations to those who have signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Sometimes I just want to wait to see if anybody else says anything because you're like, all who are with us on the show. And mm-hmm. it's like, wait a second. It's wait just me. It. Oh, hello. It's just me. Oh, hi. It's green. I don't have a funny thing to say at the hey. moment except hey, for. Hey, listen. Hey. Hey, listen. Hey. Break chat. <laughs> then Justin comes then out of Justin, nowhere. Uh-huh. You know, I wouldn't put it past I him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Yes. But, um, so, yes, just to jump right into it, because this is, these are going to be kind of, obviously, excuse me, these are going to be longer episodes. Um, just a bit. Really quick, uh, to, so we wrapped up on the code on the pillory logic. Mm-hmm. A couple things there. So, basically, what we see is, A, we see what happens to create a rogue mind, when it says that there are three options, there are three entity or three events, three events that could cause a rogue mind. Um, and those events are catastrophic failure, neural degeneration, or loss of containment. And these three will be referred to as a rogue mind incident. Um, if a rogue mind incident occurs, it initiates what's called the war mind cerebral partitioning and quarantine integration into the 12 Clovis stations uh, that compri- that are comprised within the neural webway. So basically what happens is the war mind cerebral partitioning is literally the splintering of the war mind into 12 units and then quarantine integration into 12 stations. So that is why when Anna mentioned that they are one-way network integrations from closed systems, that is the quarantine integration. So they partition Rasputin into 12 pieces and then shunt him, shunt each of those pieces into a separate Clovis station and then quarantine those stations. There are literally no way for them to come back in. Um, that is what is basically the pillory process. Um, so pillory is literally punish like it, it's literally in punishment of them. It's, yeah, it's it's not it's not punishment necessarily because you know catastrophic failure, neural degeneration, or loss of containment are not things that Rasputin would like norm like that's not something you're like oh well let's go you know let's go neurally degrade right. myself you know that's that's not or degenerate myself that's not going to be the process but in the in the case of that happening. They have fail-safes, basically, to protect humanity from something of a Skynet-like event. Um, yeah, chat's talking about it. So basically, it's kind of like rampancy. Um, 
Right. But here's my question. Would the, you said catastrophic failure and what were the other two? Neural degeneration or loss Which of containment. Which would be the rampancy, right? Yes. And then yeah. loss of containment. So loss of containment and the catastrophic failure seem to be, they're slightly different, but I would like for us to go into a little bit more of how they're different because the idea of rampancy is the breakdown of the neural network because there's too many branches, right? Like it's it's over over processed or yeah, overdone. Basically, basically, it's thinking yourself to death. Right. So, what about the catastrophic failure and the other one? So, How catastrophic would you failure that? would be something like I don't know the collapse, um, you know, or something in the hardware actually failing. And you know, they're they're kind of all linked into each other uh, because, like, a catastrophic failure could lead to neural degeneration, um, a loss of right, containment. But here's oh, go for. It. But that's my question, though, because the collapse we saw Rasputin put himself loss into, of containment. Yeah, right. So, so he he basically that... he basically in a way initiated this process himself because when you're, you're talking about when he was like and shutting down, right. But shutting down doesn't mean that he's not contained anymore. It's just that he's not working the way he mm. should be. He's not working because at the, of the, the optimal efficiency that he could be. Right. But that was because of the plan to come back later, right? It was. It yeah. Wasn't- and that's where I would argue. I don't know if necessarily he. I don't think it's that he initiated the pillory containment. I think he was trying mm-hmm. to initiate just a, a sleep mode. But, and the pillory happened as a result that he because he didn't necessarily know that was going to happen. Like this was I. That's that's my head cannon. Uh, is that okay. this is probably something that Rasputin probably wasn't aware of. Um, sure. Which, you know, if you're going to make a failsafe for something going insane, that's probably a good plan. Is let's not right. make that you know aware of it. Yeah, and that's what they're, that's what Chat's kind of talking about. Like I think that it would fall under either loss of containment or catastrophic failure. Um, You could argue probably also for neural degeneration, uh, just simply because he enacted his morality, like he basically turned off the morality code and let the millions of people die. Um, That could be, you know, easily seen as a war mind neurally degenerating. Um, So like, I think, but the, the important thing here is that we do know that the pillory, the red line protocol was enacted and so what the big thing here is the splintering of the war mind occurred which is why when we reactivated the array and we reconnected Uh some stuff that was that was a big moment for rasputin because up until that point he had been quarantined in that in the basically the old cosmodrome station Um, but here's the question mm -hmm. the the quarantine or the partitioning happens within the Clovis facilities, right? Like it, it happens within it the says Clovis stations. Yes. One through 12, right? Yes. The array, when we connected him to everything else, that wasn't. That wasn't at a that station. Cr- so what I'm saying Correct. is that we are still, and this is, this is where it gets really disturbing. We are still probably looking at around one twelfth of Rasputin's computing power. Right. Which is terrifying. I mean, that puts into, you know... that. But that's the whole reason we started connecting all the different um, 
facilities, like the bunkers. That was the whole point of the bunkers was reconnecting Rasputin yes. to some of his old. So we're, I mean, his like, oldness. yeah, I would, I would, I don't, I don't think we're like at one twelfth. I think we've probably connected a few pieces, but like the thing is, and, and, and the second legacy part is the echo project. And then we'll talk about that too. Um, mm hmm. The Echo Project, in addition to the Pillory and Red, uh, was a Red Line Protocol, is basically Clovis Bray building a failsafe contingency. If Rasputin were to go off the rails, what would happen? Um, we also learned really cool revelation about where the Exodus Project was actually headed uh, in the second part. Um, and like some basic of some basics of the plan for colonizing that galaxy uh that they were originally going to go to um so there i'm kind of excited to get to that as well but um i don't know um that was pretty much the big thing i know have we i can't remember uh the uranus uh phil uh did we get the name of the uranus yeah kalis station okay so real yep. quick before we jump there so kalis is or kalis um it there's a, there's just an interesting connection that i found here uh kalis is actually the primal god of the sky in roman myth and uh, theology uh the greek equivalent is uranus so kalis station actual uranus is the greek name for uranus or the roman name for the greek god uranus um the really fun little tidbit that i found in there is that in mythology kalos's consort was terra which is earth so i mm-hmm. found it i found it interesting that the primary echo link station was kalos that they found and that clovis bray was you know on mars slash earth in the edz i just found that there, there's just like a little like it doesn't actually reveal any big thing but i just thought that was kind of a cool little connection definitely are you ready to start this next one yes and recognize and realize that the nanites are back (laughs) yes cool do you want to (laughs) tech mites do you want to read the first part or do you want me to read the first part uh i can read the first part that's fine Um, Go for it. So this is uh, Legacy Part 2, Contingency. In route, Uranus, Kalis Station, Outer Band, location inconclusive. I was able to pull some data from those exosamples. Jinju perches on the cockpit cockpit dashboard. Two tech mites crawl over her shell. Their jump ship plummets through fractalsis and polychrome luge, ripping across the sable pitch of space at blistering speed. Anna leans back in her pilot seat, one knee pulled to her chest. She watches strands of shimmer bend around the hull. A bobble owl jiggles along as the ship shivers, underneath (laughs) it Cameron in frame. Hit me, her eyes turn to Jinju. I couldn't completely narrow it down, but they're definitely from the Golden Age, circa the collapse. Jinju continues. I've been going through the pillory mainframe download. Those stations are meant to split Rasputin's mind up in the event that he became, uh, insubordinate? That's disgusting. Echo appears to have been a contingency program that activates afterward. They also had a cornerstone schematic of his brain. Light static fuzzes from bubble speakers on Anna's dash. Her helmet hangs on a hook behind her. Rasputin's uplink is offline. Anna chews on the information for a moment. 
A foundational brain model would help with containment stability after the partitioning process. It's like a front porch for your brain. It goes on, Jinju continues. Your name is cross-referenced all over this, Anna. Neural webway, psycholinguistics, exobrain maps with candidate profiles. Looks like Clovis Bray was syncing Rasputin's basic core with viable hosts. Oh, Anna's mind races. For what, though? Drop him into containment and clone him? pretty elaborate restart button. I guess with an exo you could also make some pretty potent AI with more limiters than a war mine. Jinju processes. Hmm. Nothing conclusive here. Anna turns her gaze back to the stars. It would be terrible to be buried like that, trapped in pieces of your own mind. You wouldn't even know who you were anymore. Where you start, where other versions of you end. Speaking of the Clovis 9 site... Or speaking of, the Clovis 9 site is 78% assimilated into his sovereignty. Jinju distorts her voice as Warmind fasts Emil. so dramatic about it. Anna brightens as she laughs. You remember how Cameron would always impersonate him? He did not appreciate it, but it was funny. Jinju cheeps lightly. Is she still buried in work from the moon? Hold up, hold up to the black, hole opened up to the black garden. Pyramid, creepy signals, raining vex. You think Owl Sector could help themselves from getting involved? I heard rumors through the ghost vine about the pyramid. They said it steals your shell, lives there like another you. They said it makes you do things. Jinju pauses. Her iris flicks to Anna's raised eyebrow. Not helping? Let's just change the subject. Jinju squirms awkwardly. You'll see her soon. I know. They're working directly with Ikora. She's safe. I know. Warm tone reassurance trickles into the cabin through Anna's helmet speaker. I know! When did you even get here, Red? Anna aggressively huffs in exasperation. Do you want me to stop or do you want me to keep going? Yeah, just go ahead and stop there because there's a few things to unpack in that opening section. <laughs> so. Cameron's alive. Jinju picked up. Yeah, Cameron's alive. Confirmation. Cameron's also working on the newest thing. So this is. That's, that's nice. That's nice that that is made plain since everyone was having a heyday with is she dead is she alive what's going on is this love story over <laughs> no no <laughs> uh, basically i love how there's also a little but the there's like actual lore things in here but i love how anna has a bobblehead of an owl <laughs> on her dashboard i like, heard you i, I heard you her- like you're like <laughs> I, it just reminds me of um, Wash from Firefly. Yes. <laughs> Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. But then you have like the all these different things going on, like the the nanites on Jinju, um, Jinju trying to unpack everything that they found in the original site, and how you get the first little tidbits about how X or how um, Clovis Bray was attempting to put pieces of Rasputin within Echoes or echo Exos and the Echo Project itself was a attempt at making it possible to have an actual that would be the actual pillory, wouldn't it? That mm-hmm. the human yeah. or the exo body so the itself pillory, would be the pillory. Yeah, the pillory so like redline product protocol would fire off and then the Echo Project would enact, basically, is what was happening. Mm-hmm. Poor Anna though. Like she's just she just wants to just to go see Cameron. She just wants to be done with it. And then you have Rasputin who randomly shows up at the end of this <laughs> trying to... When did you even get here? 
Right. Like he's not even he's not even supposed to be there. I just and like, he shows I like up. that she aggressively huffs. Right. But I also like how Rasputin, another humanizing trait, tries to calm her down mm-hmm. a little bit, tries to reassure her with his warm tone reassurance trickles into the cabin through Anna's helmet receiver. Okay. <laughs> Rasputin's trying to I'm just surprised he didn't do like a, a like a little spritz of vanilla into the air or like lavender. lavender or ylang <laughs> lang or something. He's going to he's going to be her like, spice. Oh my god. No. If I just want the bungee riders to write pumpkin spice in there. I love how the pineapple thing is still a huge gag. Pineapple? Apple? <laughs> And it's, it made it again. Like, it's a second, like, it's a reinforced gag at this point. Like, somebody at Bungie really doesn't like pineapple or just doesn't like the naming convention. Anyway, did you have anything in this opening section? Uh, I did. I did not. No. Cool. Do you want me to take on the next section? Go for it. Tech mites traverse Jinju like a jungle gem. One dangles precariously from a shelf flap. Guess who's there, too? How do you know this? And I don't. Ghostvine. It's Eris Morn. She's working with the Guardian. Eris? Anna scoffs. She's not much of a conversationalist, so the two of them should get along just fine. <laughs> she gestures to the mites. Do you really want those crawling all over you? Their names are Foe and Diem. And I love them. Jinju coddles her mites. <laughs> Besides, it's like Cam's with us in spirit, right? Anna chuckles and scratches her brow before raising a fist in solidarity. She is to the brim. The shimmer surrounding the jump ship jitters before abruptly smashing into empty space. Anna leans forward and looks out into the void. Um, where's the planet? She slowly rolls her head around the cockpit. They drift through space on placid waves of nothing toward a distant nowhere. The vast luminous twinkle of the Milky Way plays out in the panorama. Through gloom-speckled pinholes prick gaps in the starry sea, the absence from them directly apparent to Anna's eye like rays of darkness from a black sun through sheer cosmic sheet. Jinju perks up, internal sensors suddenly askew. Something nabbed us right out of our jump. We're off course by... Jinju calculates... 3 AU? What? Anna manually scans the trajectory equations in the new in the nav computer. There's nothing wrong with the math. Jump drive error, misalignment, squawks on bubble speakers. Little late. Tart synthetic trickle tart synthetic tickle creeps red and patient, low and pressing, as not to be heard by those that might be listening. Relax, I know we're off course, but it's not that far, relatively speaking. Anna scrunches her face at a nav screen, nav screen as it's overtaken by interference. Okay, I can't see where we are. Hang on. A slow wrinkle skulks across space. It presses up the fabric. Insignificant points between stars warp and spur small disturbances in the constellational congruence of the galaxy. From afar, it's nothing. A flutter of wings in the wind. It's dark out here. Jinju's voice is distant as she peers outside, beyond the canopy, and expanse without horizon. That's when the stars shine brightest, Jinju. Find a constellation for me so we can get our bearings. 
Gravitational wave anomaly detected. Jump realignment required. Way ahead of you, ship. Anna checks jump vectors and flicks through alignment procedures. Mav thrusters sputter to orient the ship towards Sol. Anna test cycles the jump drive. It revs, then chokes before locking. Gravitational wave anomaly detected. Jump hazard. Location inconclusive. Clear hazard. Okay, that's not comforting to hear. Anna deploys a sensory buoy from the ship. Rasputin stings and pricks red iron. Steady pressure with localized insistence. Feels strange. Jinju is distant. We should go. Anna initiates recalibrations on the jump ship's drive positioning solution. There's definitely some weird space out here. Gravitational wave anomaly detective. The ship lurches. Anna's stomach churns. Jinju vibrates violently in place, an outer shell of light absorbing some form of force. Red iron needles whistled tea kettle pressure and white anxiety from Anna's helmet. Cloaked shadows shift through the vacuum, an eternity away and all too close, shown only when they wish to, to only whom they want. Anna swallows to settle her stomach. What even was that? Did we move? Leave. Now, please, Anna. Jinju presses against the glass of the canopy, peering outward. System realignment solution secured. There it is. I've got jump lock. Gravitational wave anomaly detected. Again? Then we're writing this one out of here. Anna eyeballs adjustments for the gravitational wave into the nav computer. Punching jump in three, two, one. They slip between folds in space. Formless wake propels them. The ship rides through subspace at speeds far exceeding her jump drive's capability. Color dolls in the slipstream. Frison, frision electrifies Anna's senses into timeless euphoria. The nose of the cockpit stretches ahead, drawn towards some distant vanishing point. She struggles to keep the flight stick straight. Her motion seems small, inconsequential, and all too slow within the wave. Fluctuant pockets of drag, flex, and buck threatening to throw them off into the unknown. The cockpit twists around her. Indicator lights blink in metronomic sequence, purpose and pigment slowly materializing in her mind. Hull integrity failing. Not yet. Collision. Bow, celestial body detected. Auto drop failed. Anna steadies her mind. She force cancels the jump, seizing the drive and jumping them out into the space before thrusters burn steady them. Thrusters burn to steady them again. Their emergency, or their emergence is dwarfed by stratospheric colossus. Uranus hangs, a daiquiri pearl set in tilted rings. A grin overtakes Anna's face. Nailed it! I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> oh man, Anna is cocky, but she kind of has a right to be. Mm-hmm. To be fair though... Jinju's freaking out, and so is Rasputin. Like, Rasputin's not very happy about what's going on either. And then just Anna basically Luke Skywalkering her way <laughs> out of that situation. Like, not kidding! That was a direct... That was the first thing I thought when I read that, was that she used the Force. Do you have anything on that section, Jai? Um, <clears throat> so, Foe and Diem, uh, I think... Mm-hmm are just callbacks to the moons Phobos and Deimos. Um, it's really the only thing I could get on that. Um, yeah. We do, you've already mentioned, you know, we got the confirmation for Cameron. Um, oh, the AU. So that's an astronomical unit. Um, that's actually really big. 
So when you're talking about three AU, that's a that's a pretty significant. Uh, what are you doing here? Moment, um, which is why there was a bit of surprise there. So a uh, three AU or uh, one AU is the average, the approximate distance between Earth and the Sun. <laughs> so oh man, so okay, it's I mean it's in regards to like the galaxy, it's not that huge, but sure. it's I mean yeah, Black Flag is in chat. It's like it's nearly 30 trillion miles like it's a big difference so now that being said you know that is showing you know the reality of calculations within space i mean that is just the distance the average distance between things is immense it's like the just it's mind-boggling how much empty space is in actual space um so we have a call out to something that we've seen before too within this section, right? Like you have the gravitational anomaly. Mm-hmm. Do yes. you remember yes. how we had that exact same call out happen with Exodus Black and Osiris? And Osiris. Mm-hmm. So this is the thing that a lot of people were are thinking that this is how Rasputin knew when Osiris will later come and talk to him. Um, this is how he knew about the anomaly to send him out here. Yeah. Now, oh, that yeah, being yeah. said, it also explains why she's off, why their calculations were off, because if it is a gravitational anomaly, that will mess with calculations. And sure. so that's where you can get disjointed on those calculations. Well, Jinju just was not... I mean, it's not explicitly said that it is a pyramid ship causing this interference. Correct. Um, it's inferred with the reaction that Jinju tends to have to it, just because of the ghost freaking out. And granted, Jinju has had these ghost stories being told, and you get that call out, like the spookiness of the pyramids. It could take you shell, and it could just like it's like ghost stories, like mm-hmm. a literal ghost story for our ghost. And maybe Jinju just freaking himself out. Her herself out but, yeah I, mean, I think i think that's part of it but it also could i mean there's there's also some truth in those those fears as well right mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely okay so to move on pale blue gleam in inundates not that word i inundates thank you <laughs> pale blue gleam inundates the canopy with planetary light anna plots an approach to the station the slow the trio slow burn forward, each silently collecting their facilities, or faculties. Ahead, tiny beacons blip red. Satellite silhouettes take form out of the planet's zealous glare. Instrument spokes jut from their polygonal chassis like old war depth charges, itching to trigger. Those are war sets. Jinju breaks the silence, eager to shift her mode of thought far from weird space and gravity waves. Finally, some luck. Anna says with relief, I bet we can daisy chain Rasputin into the station's network through the defense system. Oh, they're powering up. Maybe we... Horns of responsive distortion roll across the cabin like a stress wave. Rasputin's alert pings litter the canopy. HUD. Brace! Anna pushes hard on the flight stick and reflexively dives into a bar- under a barrage of laser fire. 
Nose thrusters roar vibration through her hands as she cuts to guide the ship vertical and tumbles into a barrel roll, slipping around follow-up burst. A bolt skims shallow across her starboard side. Ricochet. Star- shockwave tremors reverberate through the hull. Red. Ping all incoming fire vectors. Jinju. Arm the spikes. Plates. Split open along the belly of the ship. A drum launcher of six war spikes rolls out as Ginger- Jinju links into the launcher's gunnery apparatus. Indicators blare onto the canopy hood. Jinju sends two war, sa- war spikes straight into the first of fifteen. First of 15 warsats blocking their path as Anna nudges the ship between incoming laser burst. Two spiked warsats cease fire as their automated defense protocols are overridden. Security software utterly failing to halt Rasputin's invasive assimilation. They come back online, spikes bending, blending into spokes, and swivel to gun down the closest still hostile targets. The assimilated twin warsats thrust to reposition it into a shield for Anna and Jinju as they close, as they close distance. Crimson flare shines around the warsat shield as lasers chisel into them. Anna watches HUD pings for an opening between incoming burst. She finds half a moment and burns hard on the main engine, then toggles full power to maneuvering thrusters to s- sling the ship under Rasputin's shield and open a lane for Jinju. Jinju unleashes four more spikes. They strike true. Rasputin spreads digital plague through the Warsat's frameworks with each skewering hit. He demands subservience. Laser fire tears through space in all directions as Anna cuts between dueling satellites and rolls to evade overlapping firing arcs. Concussive shock waves rattle the ship as defiant Warsats explode or fail one by one until the firing stops. A field of deputized warsats and debris-dead drift within the planet's orbital current, backlit by radiant mesoplagic glow. Beyond them, almost lost among cloud-cream atmosphere, Kalis Station. Anna releases her breath. It feels like she had been holding it since the jump. She forces short gulps of air into her aching lungs and lets her ship glide toward the station without guidance. Jinju emerges from the gunnery apparatus and floats back to the dashboard. Fo and Diem appear from under her shell. What was that, Anna? Back there. The warsats or the freaky ga- gravity? Either? Both. Your guess is as good as mine. My guess worries me. Let's just pull this data and get home. Agreed. Anna hangs her head in her hands and muffles a sardonic. Nailed it. Oh my goodness. So... More Star Wars esque <laughs> air battle. Do a with Jinju, barrel roll, right? Like Star Fox throw in there, do a barrel roll. <laughs> Jinju is uh, chewy, jumping into the gunnery station, <laughs> trying to I take got out a the worst feeling about this. Mm-hmm. And then you have. Rasputin basically taking over all the different oh, ships. I love that that mental image of Rasputin just like hacking all the the warsats. Like he'd uh, have to. Oh my gosh. Well, I just love the way they described it as like what was it like uh, spreads digital plague. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. it's just like that that mental image is just so great. If you scroll back up a little bit, it talks about how they have to release something let me what was it they had to release something out there for rasputin to grab a hold of oh, the, the various warsats the, uh, the spikes yeah so they're actual yeah. like 
uh, uh, wireless. Basically, they're like sending in a, um, it's like a wireless receiver that they're allowing mm-hmm. him to actually get into. Pretty cool. Pretty disturbing, too, that Rasputin's own war sats were firing on them, even though Rasputin didn't actually have uh, control over any of them. <laughs> What's a he good demands chat? subservience. <laughs> What's a good way to describe Rasputin uploading a Trojan? <laughs> it's it's so true though. That's that I I love yeah, it. Yeah, true. All right, Blue, you're running strikes now, aren't you? Yep. Of course, I keep okay. getting I keep getting guitared. So weird. Yeah. I haven't had a guitar error in a long time. Yeah, we'll see if I can survive <sighs> this one. But let's talk about Kalis. Kalis stations. Yes. You want me to go ahead and read it, or do you want to do a preface, preface to this? Um, Go ahead and read it. I think most of my takeaway okay. is going to probably be at the very end, after all the insanity. I, I, I really like Kalis Station, um, as tragic as the events are. Um, mm-hmm. I will plug that, again, this is something that you definitely should go back and read a couple times. Because yes. this is something that, like you get you get something new out of it every time i think i've read it i've read it like four or five times at this point and i keep getting different snippets out of it yep 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 all right callous station dim and powerless it gently falls the label grows at at pace with anna's measured approach rasputin's cohort of warsats encircle her in a defensive phalanx the station rotates to face the planet it glitters in gas giant grandeur as massive translu- translucent hull plates display a desolate gut shrouded in sea foam reflection. Jinju combs through the station blueprints pouring, it, pouring in from the Warsat data stores. Kalis consists of one long shaft containing a launch bay and spindly communications array at either end. Deeper, past the launch bay, bays, mostly maintenance frame, space cap, stone by a Mostly maintenance frame, space cap, stoned by a large reinforced mainframe, housing complete with a thick glass viewing ceiling. Orbiting ringlets indicated as biomes 1, 2, and 3 spin lazily in unison with the central structure held in position by maglock padlocks that align with metallic rungs set into the station's hub outer plating. Jinju locates several unpowered docking points before settling on entering through one of the station bays, she snaps a HUD ping on the canopy. Here. This one's open, though it doesn't look like anything but the outer rings are still pressurized. Ready for a spacewalk? Anna guides them to the bay, catching sight of the transparent interior solar glass paneling of the rotating ringlets. Clean, riv- clean river slosh along the outer rings underneath a dividing si- sieve. Earthen dirt sprouts abundance above. Are those greenhouses? I think so. Everything seems to be locked under a file name, Contingency. That's not ominous, Anna says, scooping her helmet from its hook and swiping 18 Kelvins from a footlocker. We need mainframe access. When do we not? Anna looks at the dark station. It is a grave of potential awaiting the next planet rise. Or, it is a grave of potential awaiting the next planet rise. Jinju prepares Anna's bandolier. Mites patiently tap, pinned legs as they wait for attention. Anna dons her helmet and puts a hand on the canopy release pulley. 
You're not bringing those, are you? And this is actually a different section real quick. The bay is still a snapshot of countless possible failures in the face of challenge. It holds only one ship. The bulbous craft lay broken, dropped from its support brackets in denial of an attempted launch. Reflective hexagonal plates sparkle like space dust as the station faces Uranus light. Scorched stained black in the far wall behind the craft's ruined ion thruster. The propulsion system is missing on its ion shell. So, it doesn't look like damage, but obviously a lot went wrong here. Jinju beams light over the fuselage as they float through the ruptured bay in weightlessness. The reflective hull is filled with exos. Mannequin cadavers hung frozen on silk threads, surrounded by glo- globular blobs of various fluids. Loose wire tangles sag around lifeless many. One or two guide glides freely within the cap- cabin. Their chest plates share a pristine logo. Echo 1. Anna locates a crumpled worker frame beside the bay's internal airlock and signals Jinju to come over. Jinju puffs towards Anna on pulses of light. Remnants and dust hold motionless in the vacuum. Their groupings jostled and drawn to each other since the bay's collapse form tiny gravitational microcosms, a new foe system trapped in the failed husk of a past age. She flicks her helmet microphone on. Hey, what, what about just normal frame access? The ghost sweeps the frame and gets to work. This isn't just some mop bot. This is the station manager. Let's get it inside. Anna props a foot on the wall and forces the airlock closed behind them. Mag boots clink to tile. Dust floor, echoing groans, and humid taste populate the station. Even through her respirator, the stale flavors of plant matter and dirt coat Anna's tongue in grist-like film. She turns to Jinju, busy at work, splicing bad connections within the frame and spinning light to change to charge his power unit. It'll work, but this unit won't hold power. It'll only last as long as I can charge it. You're a miracle worker, Jinju. Jinju cheeps. She solders a loose line. It should also be a little more talkative. Anna peers down the hall from their current position. The airlock functions like a estuary flowing into the rest of the station. She could almost see clear into the central mainframe hub atop a raised panel fortification in the middle of the room. It sits below a ceiling of translucent plates rimmed in distant ringlet halos falling under shadow. A stairway aligned with the launch bays on either side provides access. The frame sparks to life, looks directly at Anna, and speaks with grating age to its voice. Welcome, Anna Bray. Very excited to see a Bray walk this hull again. It has been a long time. Anna grasps at words. Jinju shrugs, plugs of light tossing in j- toss in j- zero G. The frame stands on magnetized foot cups and dusts itself off, nearly bumping into Jinju. Excuse me, small servo-bot. Servo- The frame turns to Anna. How may I be of assistance? I'll unplug you. The frame ignores her. (laughs) Anna smirks at Jinju, then looks at the frame. Walk with me, she says, briskly moving deeper into the station. The two converse with Jinju in tow. The main section of the station is wide open hall, supported by struts. In large red lettering, the words Echo Project our legacy builds the horizon. Dozens of maintenance frames plate maintenance frame plates line the floor, some open, some semi-raised with collapsed frames step, steps away from half responding to cast, to a catastrophe. 
a scene in disorder. Zilch on Atlas. And I'm going to stop right there, mainly because I need a a mouth break because it becomes a bit of a uh, oh, yeah. tongue twister after a while. It does. It really does. Like I really like the writing, but there are some very, very hefty phrases. I also love that Jinju they... is a servo server bot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Excuse like, me, small the... service droid service bot. The thing that that okay so not to go spin foil on us but the fact that something mm. from the golden age recognizes it as a service bot really really gets under my skin a bit now not gonna now, lie to play devil's advocate it could just be that it is assuming that oh sure i'm sure it's just one of those things like it could it could lead that direction oh yeah yes but the fact that it's not the the station manager is not surprised to see Anna at all, which doesn't seem to be super surprising considering what we're going to get here in a little bit. But it's not on. It's not Atlas. the The description of this location seems like what we had on Titan, but in space. You know the biomes and everything. Yeah, I'm. I like. I'm curious what you're like the design i would love to see like a concept art of this station to be fair because there's so many different ways that it could come across you know Mm -hmm. um i unfortunately have the halo rings in mind when i'm reading this so that's not and that's not entirely inaccurate like i think that's the thing is like there but see like there's there's a lot of different ways that rings could uh to circulate a, a, sure. a station and with the the concept of like maglocks and stuff that like there's there's a lot of different options like so I, i'm just i would just be curious what was actually the intent like of the design i think that would be really cool to see like just from a just from a aesthetic standpoint um yeah not that we will probably and- ever see this because it is well we'll get to it well we yeah we might see pieces of it (laughs) spoiler (laughs) spoiler (laughs) uh anna stares out the translucent ceiling wistful as the frame awaits for another question so those crops and the rings are food supplies for a colony mission yes thank you for asking that anna bray yeah and the colony ships are full of exos partially Echo 1 and Echo 2 were stocked with exocrew units. As you know, their task was to establish and oversee embryonic development at Colony M31, Site A, and Site B. If Rasputin got out of hand, they weren't planning on resetting him. I don't have access to Clovis 1 through 12 directories. They just assumed he would win? The pillory is a last-ditch panic room. I don't have access to Clovis 1 through 12 directories. Jinju's iris flicks back and forth between the two. Her tiny light leash hums. Anna. <laughs> Sorry, that image just <laughs> blows my mind. It's the fact that Jinju has a leash. Well, she's leashed to the, uh, the. Yeah, to the frame manager. so it stays powered. <laughs> just like walking Wait, a dog. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Uh, okay. Jinju Iris, Jinju's iris flicks back and forth between the two. Her tiny light leash hums. Anna massages her palm. 
What was my role in all of this? As you know, your work on the War Mind made you a prime asset to oversee applicant selection. I chose the people in there. Anna watches the ringlet spin, her mind repeating the statement back to her. Artificial night slips back to artificial day as the station rotation continues. As you know, yes. Additionally, your work on the War Mind, as you know, was vital to the establishment of Clovis one through twelve. Do I know where the candidates came from? Did they volunteer? I do not have access to candidate profiles. Anna shuts her eyes and takes a steady breath. You said I helped with the pillory stations. Yes. How so? I don't have access to Clovis one through twelve directories. She nods and lets her helmet slink back to rest on her shoulders. I think I can piece it together on my own. Is this station linked to any other sites? Her gaze returns to the distant ringlet lit by the recurring planet rise. Her augmented eyes pick at details. As you know, Miss Bray, there are thirteen Clovis sites that this station is linked to. Thirteen? What's the thirteenth? The plant life is still vibrant, regimented. Paragon access does not permit that information. You hear that, Jinju? We're all just slaves to circumstance. Jinju chirps. I'd like to think our choices ma mattered a little. I'd like to think mine did. <laughs> Hannah smiles at her. Yeah. You're a Bray, the frame pauses. They lack signs of overgrowth, well-kept. So? Anna turns to the frame. Echo Project requires a station link with dead rock resources. Anna's eyes go wide. Jinju disengaged that cipher thing. Over her shoulder, a glint shines from the far cent central ringlet, Biome 2. Jinju glides forward. What is that? Anna looks at Jinju, the verbal cipher. She pauses and traces Jinju's eyeline to face Uranus. Anna's eyes adjust to sieve out the glaring brightness. What's that? She puts her hand to her visor and squints. An ion lance threads the station from the distant ringlet. It pierces Anna's chest, clean through. Brick-stained atmosphere hisses out of her suit, searing on smoldering fab fabric fringe. Jinju's iris widens with confused shock. Howling Storm slams salt course keys in Anna's helmet. End. All right. Lot to pack there. Unpack there, right? It's about I'm to I'm going to let you good. go first. I mean, it is good already. Um, so M31 is actually, as far as I can tell, a reference to the Andromeda Galaxy, uh, which is about... 2.5 million light years away from our galaxy but it is actually the closest one to us uh so mm -hmm. we were actually looking at ex um like intergalactical travel at this point um <laughs> chat um i'm not sure what sites a and b are referring to there's no like there i don't think there was a specific call out there i think it's literally just you know in the Andromeda Galaxy, what is the planet, you know, planet A, planet B, or whatever. Um, but this is the Exodus Project, you know, this is the entire plan was to have embryonic samples sent, and then a team, two or multiple teams of exos would be present because they are exos, they are not susceptible to aging, Um and so they would be able to build out the infrastructure um, and they would probably be in tandem with, you know, nanite technology such as SIFA or whatnot. Um, 
So that's what the that difference is. with this one, though. This was the failsafe. Correct. This is a slightly different this- Exodus project than the what I would consider the civilian Exodus project. Mm-hmm. Because um, the the civilian base one was similar to not the same, but similar to what Mara went through on the Amrita, right? Like that uh, the was way. not. Yang Liwei, but the Amrita Project or the yes. Amrita Charter yes. was was the civilian side of it. And Correct. And I get the sense that this was because it's mentioned that Anna selected them. Um, yes. Which has its own interesting implications. Yeah, kind of scary. What? Kinda Eugenics? Scary, just... And something that Dino pulled up in chat, and this is one of the things that reminded me of when I was reading it, is that Anna has Paragon level of clearance but she doesn't have the level of clearance that's needed to get all the information. I from took it the as frame the station manager didn't have the information. Right. But she I don't think she has the level of clearance to get that information because it there were things that the frame was would say that I don't know. The frame says that multiple times like I I do not have access to that information. Mm-hmm. But when she asked, and I'm trying to find it again. Um, yeah, I'm looking. She said, uh, or it says, I don't have access to Clovis 1 through 12 directories, blah, blah, blah. As you know, as you know, I do not have access to candidate profiles. I don't have access. Oh, it's the 13th, the 13th, yeah, 13th uh, location. location. Is, that's, what, that's what it won't tell her. Hmm, that is interesting. Yeah. Makes you wonder what. Good old Clovis. I'm also was up curious. To, what is uh, what's the dead rock resources? I mean, a dead rock would is the considered. It's a f- turn of phrase for a planet that doesn't have any life. Yes, but I mean, like, I just, I that's that's actually an outstanding question. I have is I don't know what the dead rock resources are. I couldn't quite figure that one out. Yeah. Yeah, and Dino's talking about this is the differences here is that whereas other exodus crews or exodus projects were human crews with cryoprods cryopods this is um embryotic samples with multiple exo crews so this this is a literal uh arc scenario right it's a seeding project Mm -hmm. which is interesting because the connection to the awoken clovis is trying to become the equivalent of a creator and seed like creationism and then you have the amrita situation where they literally create they themselves they yeah, accidentally they become gods it. in and of themselves well just within the distributary right 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 but i mean i i find that i find that parallel kind of interesting because like you have the reference to the sisyphus project with clovis bray right um clovis bray is you know obvious he's he's got the obvious narcissistic tendencies and all that stuff and then like the call out Mm -hmm. for um the exos being like the oh someone just didn't want to die basically i just i find the the parallels with him and the awoken situation very interesting yeah i the dead rocks thing is something i'm interested in as well it, I think the Dead Rock in specific is related to the station in and of itself, um, because of what we're gonna, what I'm gonna read through next, mm. right? Okay, okay. So you think the Dead? Okay, I got gotcha. you. I'm, I'm. So that that so rifle, have- that rifle shot that just happened. Mm-hmm. Acrimony. 
Echo 1, Callus Station, Collapse. Deadrock Seizure in Action. Station Manager Initiate Manual Override in Echo 1 Launch Bay. Alert. This station is experiencing flower, uh, power flux- fluctuations. Flower fluctuations, because that is how I'm going to talk right now. <laughs> Alert. This station is experiencing power fluctuations. Emergency power will run until Echo Zero. He awakens alone, a fluke. Others hang around him, but they remain in the dream. Electrical surge prickles through his entire body. A screen in front of his face begins playing a recorded complete with visual aid. Welcome to Echo One. Before your departure, you should have been briefed by a station warden. If you don't recall your station warden, please alert your crew captain. Now then, my name is Anna Bray, and you're one of the lucky few has been selected for the Echo Project. The future of humanity rests on your shoulders. The recording is interrupted as emergency sirens blare through the station. Station hazards, gravitational anomaly, sterile neutrino burst. Please remain calm. Override broadcast via echo link. Pillory sublock RR skyshock alert. Transient near extrasolar event. Power failures rack the station in rolling thunder. The exo slumps, lifeless, until its next reset. Echo 7. Alone. The recording. He finds familiarity in the newness. The face on the screen seems kind. Station hazards rolling surges in wards 1, 2, 3. Please remain calm. Thunder. Pain to death. Electrostatic purge triggering a reset. Echo 22. He awakens to rolling, thunderous darkness and pain. The screen does not illuminate. Barely audible words form from the air. Primary propulsion systems failing. Auxiliary systems near depletion. Planetary impact unavoidable. Distress triggered. Meaningless. He struggles against chains. Eons passed. His bonds will not break. His mind fragments and corrupts. He wishes he could bleed. He wishes he could die. He wonders where the wardens are. Echo 41. Short lives of confusion and pain. He grasps at falling in every direction. There is nothing to grip. Echo, 89. Thunder again. Echo, 173. And again. Echo, 390. Until one day. He hangs in the futile passage of time. A creeping madness weaves its way in solitude. Echo, 877. Thunder. 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 The warden speaks for the first time in many storms. Her twisted promises are fresh to his ear. When we return, etched in mind. Wake and sleep. Struggle, dream, and wake. Struggle, endless, innumerable stillbursts, tomb spasms, thunderous pain, sweet death. Echo, 2,625. Thunder, one final time. The storm gives life, but never came to take. He slips from rot shackles, worn with age, weary, they snap at slightest motion. Untold rotations pass without movement. Freedom. He matures questions. A hunger wells up within him. He travels the stations, from tomb bay to the mine shell, to the sealed space, in dark and in light. The mine shell teaches him the new roads, teaches him the majesty of the rings, teaches him the keys. He walks the rings. He tends to his little freedoms. He cultivates. He grows. 
He does unknowingly, as he was meant to do. The mind shell tells him of the bridge, tells him of his ancestors, speaks of the echo link. The knowledge does not leave him thoughts. He seeks a meaning beyond routine. The tomb bay kept secrets. He had not returned since he was walked since he walked the rings. It is a shallow sepulchre. Brothers and sisters dreaming, never to wake as he had. He digs treasure, treasures from their graves, digs knowledge from the prisons of many minds, picks lies from the bones of truth. He drinks the memories of Echo's past. He finds the prison's purpose, a bridge's end. If he holds this end, perhaps the wardens hold the other. The many minds, the liar's words, takers. They would know of his escape. The wardens would come to take the fresh shackles. He prepares, he learns from the warden's alchemy. He digs through the carcasses, the carcass of his once mighty tomb. From hollow basin, he seizes starlight power to wield from afar. From its flesh, he adorns himself with a cloak of lies to fool. He armors his soul against the thunder that kills. He opens the bridge at the end and waits. Echo 2625, present day. He walks the ring when she arrives. The warden rides in with, a fun with finality and judgment, a red light storm at her back. She had followed the bridge, as he had hoped. She leads many shells, but only one descends with her. She brings her the thunder, and he fears its wicked spark. He places trust to his plated frame. He watches her trespass in the tomb bay, sees her defile the mine shell's grand hall. The wardens reap what he has been sown, as wardens always do. She comes to collect him. He raises his starlight. But a warden is not so easily slain, and she has many allies. And hi. So, to put it in perspective, the safe reset number is 20. And something that you guys can't see unless you read this is that once he gets up into the 2000s, the lettering is that very strange um, where it has the vertical symbols attached to the numbers where it basically it, it's really I don't even know what that language is called. Like when it's basically there's a secondary um, oh, like language the... overlapping it. Mm hmm. It's I yeah, it's super intense. I don't even know if it'll show up in chat when I put it in there. Oh, it does. There we go. That numbering system is that happens once he gets into the 2000 rank. And he he's learned to harness starlight, which is I don't know how to process that because there's no well, there's no, I guess um, my question there really is like, that. is it actual starlight or is it is that just what he calls the linear fusion rifle that he's using? A linear fusion rifle that shoots from across the ring? Like, I mean, it's a sniper rifle. Yeah. Through space? I mean, I space know. is a vacuum. Fair. Oh, yeah. I guess my just, thought is, is like, I was thinking like that was his interpretation of what he was doing. Um, because right. like when he's, he's got active camouflage first off, which I am kind of jealous. Um, it's alien or no predator yeah which oh my gosh what, i think it was black flag is sitting here going whaylen whaylen yatani <laughs> like, i'm yeah. like you're I not mean, wrong <laughs> that's what 
Didn't uh, Deej actually call again. that out at one point? <laughs> there he goes. What? Deej called that out at one point when we first started learning more about Clovis Bray. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the that was one of the corporations he named. Yeah, it's it's not a surprise. Yeah. Um, Anything else those, that for you those want to talk about with that? Who, who with don't the breaking? know, Waylon Yutani is um, aliens and predator is the corporation that is constantly behind the really dumb decisions that humans make because they're trying to profit off alien technology. Basically, though, I don't know, I guess, technically, the Traveler would be alien technology. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <sighs> There's insight into the fact that uh, this Exo Echo, who is driven mad by... M- many many resets i'm curious what the thunder is i think it's literally electrical surges so basically the station surges so he turns on um i think it might be like it might be like a fail because like it, it it started off with it calling out the fact that it was an error like it was a fluke um uh-huh but I think the other thing is, is we have uh, references to the station, you know, falling. And so there's something going on that the station, Kayla's station, is not doing so hot <laughs> for itself right now. Um, and I think that might be part of what you're what they're hearing is now that is just, you know, one theory. It could actually be, you know he could hear the station groaning you know or whatever i mean there's a lot of i think there's a lot of potential there fair 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 yeah anything else you want to call out on this one i was kind of saying that too is like you know it it seems to me it sounds like it it was a damage that was during the collapse basically and it's just that caused it to surge over and over well no that damaged the station which then caused the station to kind of lose its gravitational alignment and so now the station sure. is, you know, all jacked up. But we also, I mean, the only, the only, it's not even an argument. The only thing that I would also point out is that we know that the echo, as long as, as soon as the red line protocol for pillory goes into effect, we know that the echo program basically kicks off. So there is the possibility too, that whatever Rasputin did to initiate the red line protocol is kind of at fault here as well okay it's my only only other thought for why i'm echo got initiated yeah i'm kind of glad for the most part it's very sad i'm but i'm glad there's only one oh god yes echo to deal with versus what could be hundreds mm-hmm. that we know of like the there's only one that's been up and awake and moving around and tending essentially to the garden in the biosphere, which explains why everything is go- doing so well in there. It's because he's been working on it. Yes. All right. Now let's see what happened to Anna. Callus Station. Orbit. This is a descendant. She has submerged. Light sways just above a tense surface. Something far below stirs. The light brightens to blind. Rasputin weeps a terrible cacophony of anguish. Anna gasps for breath. Her head swims in effort. Hypoxia. Blood level, blood oxygen level, 73%. Hold still. Your suit is leaking. Jinju quickens light into Anna's punctured suit. Her iris jittering from spot to spot as oxygen spurts around her in foggy clouds. 
Anna shakes dizziness out of her head. A smoldering frame is sprawled a few meters away. She drops flat to a support beam that runs up to the main t- mainframe office. I got shot. The re- realization double backs, doubles back. I got shot? Anna pats her chest, chest and stiffens. She draws in a shallow breath. Jinju, did you see where it came from? Central ring, I dragged you to, into cover. Stop moving so much. Anna peeks around the strut. An ion thread zips by and stings her helmet. Rasputin obliterates every square inch of ringlet within 10 meters of the ion beam's origin and response. Sections of central ringlet combust and explode under heavy bombardment. The ring buckles, splitting along the seams and splaying out into space. Magnetic anchors fail as the halo fractures and splits away from the station's central architecture. Fragments rush away towards the planet. Kalis ruin... Kalis ruin falls into Uranus in lingering prolytical consummation. Rasputin, stop! <laughs> Laser fire halts immediately. You're gonna sink the whole station! Tense finger waits on hair trigger. Anna works her starving lungs. Hypoxemia. Blood oxygen level 67%. Anna, you need to stop breathing so much! Jinju bobs with Anna's head and quickly reseals her visor. Can't hold still. Anna shake, shakily stands and points up at the dislodged ringlet spinning above her. Bad angle. I'm pretty sure whatever shot you was dead. Stop talking. You're getting delirious. Wreckage looms far over Anna's shoulder. The remaining two halos spl- slowly spin in ignorance through their siblings' burial dust cloud. Eerie distortion soars across the divide between stations and rings. The veneer of invisibility momentarily lost in flight as rubble collides with its form. Rasputin perceives the abnormality. Harmonic chimes across Anna's visor resonate and combine into uniform pattern homogeny. Active camouflage. Anna sucks in thin, sucks thin atmosphere in a wheezing undertone to her breath. Jinju, give me an auditory visualizer. Jinju whirs and dips back into Anna's suit. Compiling an interface, now hold still. Hypoxemia, blood oxygen level 65%. A ceiling panel 20 meters from Anna erupts in brittle plastic shards that glisten and spin like tiny neutron stars, catching the last of Uranus's light as the station begins to turn, or station beings turn dark. Amorphous form thuds into the floor, shattering tiles in a plume of dust that stretches up into a spire before slowly holding its place. The form tumbles to a stop. It stands between her and the open launch bay and slings a kitbash iron caster aside, depleted. Hexagonal patterns stutter to blend with the station interior as the room rolls in tenebrous obscurity. For an instant, an echo, an exo takes form and then nothing as its cloaking shrouds flashes and re-engages in the dark. Anna doesn't wait. She rushes heavily, heavy clunking boots up the stairs to the mainframe, Arrhythmic tremors beat through her heart. Jinju deactivates the switch on Anna's mag boots and hurls her through the door with a forceful push of light. She speeds in behind Anna, finishing her suit with light stitched. With light stitch as Anna slams the door shut. Anna, hang in there. Jinju orients Anna and reactivates her mag boots. Anna's feet clomp to the floor. She hangs from them, a loose timber bending in the wind. Jinju finishes her patch job. New fabric seals airtight. You're good. You're good. Don't pass out. Your suit is reoxygenating. 
Hypoxemia, blood oxygen level 59%. Stabilizing, the words are intensely bright on our visor, against the darkening room. Auditory overlay complete. Check your visor. Jinju's voice focuses her. I, I just need a minute. Anna speaks between gulps of air. An unsteady hand draws 18 kelvins. The mainframe room orients her more, clearly with each breath. It is stark. A large, lone desk of singular oak commands the center of the room. A console screen, dead, is embedded in the surface. Rasputin drops potential estimation pings into her HUD in an attempt to track her assailant. She steps backward, away from the door she had entered, through and toward the opposing stairway door. Her eyes pick up faint quivers from outside. Indirect. Resonant, white noise pings like interference on her visor. She focuses on each occurrence, looking for a note out of rhythm. Behind. She spins as the exo crashes through the secondary entrance at her back. The door snaps from its hinges in a torrent of dust and rackets. Jinju. And rackets Jinju into glass. Jinju! Anna loses track of her attacker momentarily in the darkness before it pushes off from a hard surface, triggering her visor. She spits off rounds from 18 Calvins. Some find their mark, puncturing the camouflage shroud and revealing her adversary before impotently fizzing on the exo's outer shell. It covers the gap with surprising speed and catches her gun hand. Anna discharges an arc round, tiny bolts reaching across, reach across to the exo's metal skull in vain as it scorches ceiling. Bones pop in her fingers and wrist. Hypoxemia, blood oxygen, 68%. Stabilizing. The exo flattens its other hand and stabs towards her stomach. Die, warden. Adrenaline instinct floods Anna's body. She stops it. They lock. Anna vi Anna's vision blurs. She gasps for breath. Muscles quiver in her arms, desperate for oxygen. A spark cinders in her. Get off of her. Jinju zips towards the exo and paddles foe and diem onto it with a flick of her shell. The mites crawl under the exo's exterior plating and send shock-sting bites through its system, seizing its joints for a few precious seconds. Jinju rushes to Anna's side. The ghost deconstructs itself, orbital shell bits swirling around a core of coalescing light. She fills the room like a brilliant star, overcharging her wayward guardian. Anna's crushed bone reforges. Light fills her eyes, her grip still holding against the seizing Exo's blade thrust, liquefies its plated hand to scrap. A glorious crown of solar flame erupts from her visor, and she cracks her forehead into the Exo's face. It reels, tufts of flame extinguish in the vacuum. Anna kicks away. Solar might engulfs 18 Kelvins. Anna hammers off two rounds of celestial annihilation. They melt straight through the Exo puncture the station plating, and scream through space for light years. The exo slumps, a molten heap. It draws breath. Resilient. Anna drops to a knee, barrel trained on the exo's head. She takes a full breath. The exo's eyes are unflinchingly locked to her. It refuses to die. It points to Anna's badge with its still blistering hand. Bray. Warden. She says the only thing she can think to say. Who were you? It hesitates, echoes. Her head drops, or her head droops. How many did you live? She looks to find his number designation, but it's missing. He looks past her at Uranus's light once again, trickles through the station. Echoes, grow, wardens, keep. What did I do to them? All right, stopping there. So Anna's a bamf.
Thanks to Jinju. Get off her! Foe and Deem are uh, pretty good, too. Yeah, I think it's funny how they basically go in there like chiggers. <laughs> Freaking chiggers. Get a- right? Like, they get under your skin and they just annoy the snot out of you. Disable your active camouflage. You know. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I hate chiggers. Black Flag's... Yeah, I do too. Black Flag's calling me out. She <laughs> is that as well, but she can be... You can be a basic as well as be kind of a a bamf at the same time. Like Anna's Anna's got skills. But also <laughs> this is skills. kind of a <laughs> Well, I mean, w- you remember that old mission back in D1 where we would go to the different points of light? Was it in D1? Oh, it was on Twilight Gap. Oh, and it yeah, was yeah, a yeah. story of how she used to fire and left boiling pools of light. Yeah, so that's what I imagine this is, like a recreation of that, but maybe turned up even more. Yeah, because it's panic. Well, there's panic, but there's also, like, Jinju just overcharges her, which begs the question, why aren't we getting overcharged every time we fight a god? Just a question. (laughs) Green has questions. (laughs) Like... I would like to be overcharged like this where I shoot a golden gun and it goes through a space station and through light years away. Like, that is massive. Yeah, just a bit. It'd probably be useful from time to time. Just a bit. All right. Do you have anything else for that section about that? No, I mean, like, again, the, the average that's advised by Clovis Bray on resets is 20. And this, this thing is still walking at 2600 plus so i mean i mean it, it's i don't know like it's tragic beyond everything else but it's also yeah. one of those things where it's like i think you said it too it's like thank god there was only one of them right that we know of well that was activated right just it brings a, the horror of what anna did to yes. the forefront yes and I think Which that's... I think is the purpose of why we see that is Anna was not a good person in respects to the science that she pushed forward and helped create. No, I would I would think I think this is the it's not it's not necessarily the humanization. It's the demonization of the Braves even more so. It's like, you know, this is this is yet again. This family is yeah black flag of course not she's a bray yeah i mean that that in and of itself hits the nail like on the head like i think but that but a lot of people have this idea that anna was you know like a good a good bray and it's like again the thing is is that we know anna as the guardian we don't know anna as the scientist right like we, we never knew that anna and that's one of the things about being a guardian that's so nice is that you don't have that past to follow you. That's mm-hmm. something we've talked about a lot is that Anna is one of those rare cases where she actually has a key to her past. And in this way, she's finding out that she was not a good person in respects of like dealing with other humans. She helped establish this program, this protocol. And even though it was never intended to get to this point with this echo, 
Mm-hmm. She she's responsible for it. She is. She's absolutely thing, responsible for it. The other thing that stands out to me is like she she was like why like why would they do that to Rasputin? Blah blah. blah. And the thing that you have to remember is it's not just they. She was part of the the contingency plan for Rasputin. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing about you know the segregation, the pillory protocol, the red line she, protocol. That was that was her work as well she she would have known about it because she has access to all of it and so she was one of the wardens yeah and i mean and again it's like you know now do we know the full picture of what they were facing no but you see what she is willing to do in this in the name of you know of making sure that humanity survives which i mean yeah it's I don't know. Like the 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 question is like if you're talking about the survival of an entire species, what is good? Good. I mean, it it starts kind of sliding the scale a little bit, but at the same time, also there are some things that I would argue are non-negotiable. You know, and it seems like Anna the Guardian has the similar thought. Is like there are some things that just are not okay to do, and apparently Anna the scientist did not agree with that. Which I find I find also very interesting too. Yeah, it is interesting. It is interesting to see it brought forward in a different way like this. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like I like how again, like what you were saying with the the highlighting of the fact that the guardians, um, they they're blank slates. Like they they legitimately you get you get a second chance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. This is a, this is a really well done demonstration of exactly that 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 situation yep all right one final section one final bit you ready yes anna stares at an echo's husk the faint glow of the desk lit console screen grays out her face behind her visor she sits dead still in rotation she could stare forever if she only had enough time jinju nudges her shoulder I've got the mainframe data. Anna is devoid of thought at the mainframe access console. She watches as Uranus comes back into view over and over again. It dominates the station's viewing port. She maps the movement of the clouds along the surface, but only ever on the surface, and sees how they drift. They differ from the previous iteration on their last spin. She wonders if they are different underneath. Stable major chords strum in Anna's helmet getting caught in the cracked visor glass. She finally speaks, decisive. Dislodge the other ringlet paddocks. Warsats can tow them back to the tower. Skim the shadow networks for anything else they can use. Get some good from this. Anna, the Warsats can haul this whole station as long as we do it soon. Callus rotates into shadow once again, and the planet's sheen fades from sight. Anna clicks a spring-loaded slot on the desk. It snaps too. Bearing a placard of ownership. Clovis Bray. Anna stands. Steady. It's okay to let some things be forgotten. I like that ending. It's a total difference in character from her. That's odd of character from what her normal stance is. Well, but I think that's that's why I like it is because I think in a way this is... I don't, and I, I don't think this is necessarily the lesson that Zavala was, was trying to teach... But oh, no. I think that in a way she is coming to agree with, you know, Zavala's view of letting the past 
stay in the past, you know? Yeah. It's interesting how she wants to tow this, the, the, the rings from Uranus, Uranus, excuse me, back to the tower for research purposes. And I'm sitting here thinking, you just barely survived well, an attack. The, well, the, the rings have the biomes. Those are the biomes. Right. But there's like there's no I thought I I granted, took, there's I took it as the echoes were stored on the spine, the spire. Right. I just I just don't know like what they're going to be bringing back, you know? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah, get, yeah. I get you. I get you. It's not necessarily that they're going to bring back echoes like God, that would you be terrifying. Just, yeah. I mean, theoretically they could pull that too cuz they could have a a section of that brought back as well, but good lord just at least she's introspective Mm -hmm. like she's she's contemplating everything that just yeah she had a a near-death experience ironically for a guardian that is very rare (laughs) right to have something that actually means death like that and the so one tiny thing pulled from this as far as like an explanation uh, major chords are used as far as music goes with we were talking about synesthesia major chords are used as a way to establish a solid structure so Rasputin is trying to reassure her there mm-hmm. there's not really a um, there's not really an explanation of what he's trying to do but as far as like a musical reference that's what it sounds like, like he's attempting to, to do is t- like give to her give her shoulder. structure again yeah give her um support not necessarily hope but it's just this is an established thing this is Mm -hmm. a happy sounding thing like it's it's not like he's playing a a Sousa march in her ear or anything like that it's right but it's it's him being like that you'll be okay basically yeah exactly but that i mean these cards and they're not even cards these entries have like so much in them and it's its own little pocket story it could be its own little book even lots of lots of info here and lots of just fun story it's a fun read do you have any final thoughts on this guy jay no i mean it's it's i mean the questions that i have here are like <clears throat> you know obviously the implications of Rasputin as a rogue mind um then also the 13th Clovis facility. We never really got this answer to that. Excuse me. Um, you know, and then obviously, you know, what what is this going to mean in the future with the development of what happened to Rasputin with recently season of arrivals mm-hmm. with him being well sh- uh, shelved into an engram with an experimental exo <clears throat> echo um, body. Well, okay. There's no experimental exo body yet, but no, there's they, they the had it. that was part of the uh, sunsetting they ha- book. Oh, I haven't read that part of the book yet. I'm yeah. catching up. Oh, okay. Yeah, she. So they at the end, they're flying off Mars basically with the engram, and then mm-hmm. they have an exo frame in the in the ship. I'm, okay, I was curious whether or not they would make uh, site thirteen be the location that Rasputin would be reborn integrated right Mm -hmm. I wondered if they were going to go that route but sounds like they're not well I'm just I'm curious where site because it sounds like all the 12 sites are throughout the system so I mean site 13 could be I mean I don't know 
these this is all like you know theory crafting future trying to tell the future but like there's a there's now with these entries in particular there is now quite a bit of options to take um as far as fixing the rasputin situation yeah i think this is definitely the prelude to make the Rasputin situation not seem so dire. Yes. I, knowing that they had that contingency in place. Mm-hmm. I think that they can bootstrap onto that contingency and fix the problem. Yep. Cool. All right. You want to do final shout outs for this? I will do. Week? Yes. I think final shout outs is a good, good place to end. You cool. Want to lead the charge there? Sure. Uh, my shout out is actually more of a shameless plug. Hopefully by the time this episode airs, there will be some new podcasts for you guys to grasp onto. I have been working on a side project that I am lovingly called calling Destiny Audiophile, which is a audiobook form of the lore books. Um, the first book to be released is a re-recording I've done of the Maracena followed shortly after by The Awoken of the Reef, and after that, I don't know yet. I just finished uh, the recording for Marasena today, and I have the first three episodes already made. I'll have the fourth one going out, or ready to go out soon. I just need to finish some um, music editing on that. And then um, just put a call out to the community if you ever have wanted to do like an audiobook format of things or you like recording audiobooks and you want to kind of get involved with that, please let me know because there are a lot more a books that I am capable of recording in a reasonable amount of time, as well as there are a lot more talented people at voice acting than me. And if you would like to get involved, please, please reach out. Um, you can reach me on Twitter is probably the easiest place. Uh, let me know and I can get you hooked up with what word planning on doing and formatting and stuff like that. And yeah, we'll create an audiobook form of the lore, which is what I'm hoping to do is just to get a whole catalog going. So that is my shout out. Blue, do you have uh, any shout outs? Uh, no, um, just as always, you know, be sure to give support over to everyone that we have listed on the lore network. We we're, have a number of, uh, great content creators over there. Um, and a big congratulations. I think it was Kaz actually got, uh, 500 subscribers, which is a huge thing. Uh, nice. it's a big, big hurdle to get over. Uh, so big shout out to him for all the hard work on that. Um, but I know that we are doing the weekly lore roundup uh, for the podcast and for the YouTube uh, content. So if you guys mm-hmm. want, I would I would strongly say you know you can subscribe to the Lore Network's uh, postings, and that would be a good way to kind of make sure you don't miss anything from the content creators that we have teamed up over there with us. Um, if there is someone that you know that is a content creator with lore, uh, it does not have to be just Destiny. It could be anything. Uh, you know, definitely give us a heads up. We will reach out to them and talk to them about uh, getting getting set up with us, and then we can just all kind of it just makes finding everything a lot easier in the long run. Which I think I don't think anyone's complaining about that. So. Mm-mm. 
But yeah, um, and then as always, you know, until next time, thank you for your time. Stand strong, or with wisdom, with conquer. Stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. Bye. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright.